Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiefertiller. Welcome back to another episode of Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese and very esteemed, very esteemed guest, Bob Harris, football diehard himself. How are you doing, Bob? I thought you said I was very steamy. I'm saying, oh, it's nice. <laughs> Esteemed. That's ah, yes. my uh, Midwestern coming out. I've heard that before. I've heard about the esteemed. I'm usually not associated with it, but I thank you for that. <laughs> I'm here with the esteemed Reese. That's where I, that's what yeah. I was told. I just carry the water. I just carry the water for him as much as I can. But it's great having you on. Appreciate you asking. So jumping straight into it, there's been, there's five major rookie quarterbacks come uh coming out they're all the first 15 in the draft in the first 15 picks of this past draft what are your thoughts or opinions on all of them or any um uh yeah so i I think you know trevor lawrence is pretty much you know what you expect and the struggles that he's seen are pretty much what you'd expect associated with a team it's got to be difficult coming from an environment where you haven't lost a game in 300 years. Okay, he's not 300 years old, but it probably seems like it. I mean, I don't know if he remembers the last game he lost until he got to Jacksonville. Has to be difficult. It's a harsh awakening. Um, but, you know, I think they've kind of got what they expected from him. He looks fantastic to me just, you know, in terms of throwing the ball, running. I mean, he's big, mobile, all the things you want him to be. I, I hope they can build a team around him at some point that that's worthy of, of his skill set. Um, have not been especially surprised by Mac Jones either. Um, you know, once you realize he was going to get the opportunity, I think he's been exactly what you would expect, right? Like, a, I don't want to say, a, you know, game manager seems like a pejorative, but it's really not. I'm not trying to put him down, but I think that's what the Patriots wanted, right? Uh, and I think they've got what they want. Uh, once we get beyond that, Zach Wilson, you know, welcome Mike White. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think, you know, we'll see what happens. Though. We're doing this just before the Thursday night football. I'm excited to see Mike White. I almost thought Reese was Mike White for a second. They looked to be the same age. Um, <laughs> uh, but in, in all seriousness, I, you know, Zach Wilson was going to have, you know, troubles growing, a serious growing pains, bringing that offense. There's some questions about Michael Floor's, you know, play calling, et cetera. They bring in John Beck, who is basically Wilson's personal coach. And I think that's probably a smart move, right? And maybe yeah. help tweak the play calling. Also, Let's hope that Zach Wilson is watching what Mike White does. There's something to, for, to be said for not every play going uh, to be a home run, right? There's something right. Michael Carter would certainly agree. Yes, throw <laughs> some short ones. Me, me. So uh, I like that. And, and the, the two guys that we've been most interested in all along, I saved them for last because they're my favorites. Uh, you know, they're coming. I feel bad for Justin Fields, right? It's hard to play football in the NFL for a team that doesn't have tackles. Uh, offensive tackles are very important. They pass, protect, they do a number of things. They also don't grow on trees. And once you run out of them, you aren't going down to the offensive tackle store and say, oh, I'll take a fresh order because they're not there. They just don't exist. They need to get that rectified for him. And they will over time. Uh, you know, I think we saw that 22 yard touchdown carry against San Francisco last week, you know, the kind of electric player he can be. And I think he can throw the football. Honestly, I, I've seen him do it. I saw him. I don't even hardly watch any college football. Uh, but I saw him do that. And so, and, and I have it on good authority. Matt Waldman tells me as well that he can throw the football. So I'm looking forward to the day he's allowed to throw the football. 
and they kind of work this offense up, whether it's with this coaching staff or hopefully another. Or hopefully, yes, I don't hopefully. have it. I don't have an investment in this, but other than I'd like to see Justin Fields succeed, I you know this offense you know in general has been a good offense for quarterbacks, right? So I don't want to just say it's not. Maybe it's just circumstances. Um, willing to sit and wait patiently. And that's what people should have done. I can remember people drafting both Fields and Trey Lance, the last one I'm talking about, way earlier than I would ever draft them in fantasy drafts, banking on the upside. You're not going to get that out of Justin Fields. Um, you're just not this year, I don't think. I mean, you know, maybe he can gain a little something with the rushing equity and, and turn into a glorified Jalen Hurts or, you know, you know, in terms of fantasy production. Trey Lance is, you know, once he gets hit as a starter, I think he would be a suitable play, right? They'll make use of his athleticism. They've had a plan all along if he's the guy they wanted. Uh, they also need to win. And they're built to win this year. They haven't been to the playoffs for a little while. It's not that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are on the hot seat, hot seat but they need wins. They need to get to the postseason. It's been yes. too long. So if they're winning with Jimmy Garoppolo, they're going to keep winning with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we'll see, you know, the, those scattered uh, showers of Trey Lance at times. Would love to see the full version of him. We got hints of it at times. Love the big plays that we saw, love the athleticism running ability. So I think he will be everything he wants, but he's very young. He's like, he's like two years younger than Reese right now. And he has a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. Reese, Reese had long locks all summer and then came and said, Hey, I want a cub. It's too much effort. And so <laughs> now he gets to wear ball hats. Hey, now we just call me Justin Herbert. What yeah, say? exactly. Hey, uh, Bob, I had a question. You mentioned Jalen Hurts. Where would you, so if we rank those five, where would you put Jalen Hurts in there? Um, from a fantasy perspective, right at the top of the charts, right? He's fantastic. Um, from an NFL perspective, I would be concerned. I don't think he's the, you know, I, I think his grip on the starting job, you know, seems tenuous at best because they're not winning. And, and also he's not necessarily the kind of quarterback that Nick Sirianni's offense demands. I don't know that Gardner Minshew is that either. Gardner Minshew at some point will come in and provide a spark at some moment though, that will irritate the hell out of anyone who's invested in Jalen Hurts. And that would be the concern, you know, from an NFL perspective, I just don't know that it's a, it's the the proper match. And this is maybe just one of those situations where uh, a pretty good player is going to get left out in the cold because of those circumstances. And that is part of the NFL. That's part of life is, you know, things happen to you that are outside your control and you do the best you can. I think he is doing the best he can. Um, he's not doing a lot to help the people I would like him to help. Yeah. You, Devonte Smith, I miss you, man. Um, oh. but, <laughs> but, you know, but that's, that's the way it goes. It's, you know, I do think that, you know, at some point, if at any given point on a Sunday, when I'm watching, if I hear that Jalen Hurts got yanked, I'm not going to be terribly surprised. Yes. My thought is the guy who would fit Nick Sirianni's, uh, I build for a quarterback as Carson Wentz, but they already traded him away. <laughs> right? But, right. But the other part about it is Philly has three first round picks, all three presumably fairly high, but Minshew and Hertz are under contract cheaply next year. I say cheaply right. for starting quarterback sure. stuff. And so there's this, this tension, Bob, I see coming, right? Because you have these three picks, you got to evaluate the two guys because I don't see Philly trading hurts i mean i don't I maybe just, to a team like the broncos for like <clears throat> first rounders i just don't and, see them i mean you know I, what i'm saying I, 
Yeah, I, I and I'm told like the coming class of quarterbacks is not super high end, right? Um, by the people who study those kind of things, not named Bob Harris because I don't <laughs> study them. Um, but but that is you know, look, there's always an issue here in the NFL. There are 32 teams, and there's about 17 guys capable of playing quarterback. And so there's going to always be that musical chairs kind of situation as teams scramble to find one of the guys who maybe isn't one of those 17. And, and I'm making that number up totally out of whole cloth. So right. don't hold me to that. But you know what I mean? It's, yeah. There is a there's a shortage of cap- guys capable of playing at a high level. Look, if we're you know being honest, there's you know, there's probably five to 10 that are capable of truly high level play and having one of those is a huge advantage in the NFL. So everyone's scrambling to find them and they'll circle around and do whatever they can. And, you know, in the meantime, they have to make do. And I think Jalen Hurst is a great make do play. And he may be a guy that goes shuffles to another team and look that, you know, players can be recycled. Alex Smith would like me to know that, you know, what you are to start out with is not where you finish. And it's something we should remember about everything football related, right. Especially for fantasy purposes, you know, uh, I, I like to remind people often uh, if we were sitting here talking this time last year, we would be talking about Tom Brady not being able to complete a deep pass, right? Uh, he, he can't complete a pass over 20 yards. Then at the end of the season, the conversation would be, wow, he's the best deep ball passer in the NFL, right? That's the nature of the game. These things, there are evolutions. People get better at things or circumstances change. The pieces around them move around. All these things, you know, in turn uh, have an impact on the quarterback. Just like, you know, for Justin Fields, I mean, I wish he had gone or I wish he was playing with a more complete team and, and maybe a team with a better coach or maybe a, you know, a better play calling, whatever. Like, you know, so you look at what happens, let's say with Derek Carr, where the world is falling around, falling apart around him. And here he is, you know, doing his job, getting it done. Not doesn't matter what the circumstances are. And so you wonder, Hey, what, well, you know, why is why isn't Justin Fields overcoming his circumstance? I think there are reasons for this that are outside the player's control, but some of this is, I think it's Derek Carr demonstrates within a player's control. Gotcha. But Derek Carr has also had a lot more experience of dealing True. with things outside Absolutely. of his control. Absolutely. He's gone through <laughs> Antonio Brown three. alone. Yeah. yeah. The Raiders. Well, look at his brother too. You know, his brother was the punching bag in Houston. Still is. But I would say, Bob, and we can move on is, there's this intersection, this juxtaposition coming where we have the old quarterbacks being on their last leg, like Roethlisberger, right? Roethlisberger's gone. And you have a bad quarterback class historically by the pundits, so on and so forth, coming in. It's hard for me not to think that a guy like Minshew or Hurts wouldn't be starting. You know what I mean? Because there's some bad quarterback play in the NFL. Sure. I mean, so, I mean, there is, but also, I mean, there's a lot of guys who I think probably could be playing better than guys that are, that are playing that aren't. So, you know, circumstances are a big, you know, big part of this. And, uh, and I just think for these rookies, they all had a good spot. The thing about rookies right now is to me, I don't know why you wait, right? I'm, right. I'm not sure what the point is waiting. The Seattle, you know, showed you the direction this went when they put Russell Wilson in right away. Right. Yep. And you realize oh, look at all the money I can spend uh, on other pieces while I have this quarterback on his rookie contract. And at some point, you know, you're going to have to pay the piper, but until you do, it's a premium land. If you have a competitive team and you can get something out of these young quarterbacks, you're going to make it, you're going to make hay because you're going to be able to build some really great pieces around them because you're going to have the money to do it. Awesome thought. 
but you look at a lot of the past Super Bowl, Super Bowl winners of the uh, salary cap era, Patriots, Brady was either on a rookie deal or team-friendly deal. Or playing cheap, yep. Wilson, uh, rookie deal. Roethlisberger, rookie deal. Eli Manning was still on his rookie deal for one of the Giants Super Bowls. Uh, Peyton Manning, he was not on the rookie deal. Foles was cheap-ish just because he was coming off that yep. bad. There's a lot of – most of the Super Bowl teams that you see nowadays are coming with young, strong quarterbacks. Even Mahomes. Mahomes was on his rookie deal when they won, right? Yes. And so Reese brings it. Bob, I just he keeps me around, not for my good looks, but he's the one you know, that remembers all these Super Bowl winners. Because you think about – I mean, I think the quarterback carousel is going to keep spinning. Is Jameis going to be in New Orleans next year? Probably not. No. no. And – you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> well, first of all, Reese is still on his rookie deal, and the next contract's going to be a really nice car, I'm told. Oh, so, I, don't drive it up. Don't drive up the price on me, Bob. I will negotiate all day. <laughs> so you played to nachos and you got a deal. Ah! <laughs> yeah. You guys were just talking about Jameis. Where are the Saints' playoff chances with Jameis now out for the year? I don't know. Taysom Hill wasn't horrible. They won games with him last year. <clears throat> you know, it's it would not surprise me if they cobbled something together. They play good enough defense. They have Alvin Kamara. Uh, they don't have Michael Thomas, and apparently won. So there's that. Um, but I think they can cobble something together because I mean, if you play good defense, I think they can make the playoffs. I don't think they can go deep into the playoffs. That's you know that's the issue uh, for me. And, and we'll see. Maybe Taysom. Maybe Taysom Hill evolves a little bit. Uh, and figures out how to throw to Alvin Kamara. Wouldn't that be great? Um, You uh, <laughs> might not have a choice, right? There's not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, truly high-end pieces. There's certainly not the Michael Thomas piece. So, uh, and that was the piece he connected with last season. So maybe he'll be forced to evolve. But he's not a great quarterback by any stretch of the imagination, but he completed, what, 70% of his passes. They won their games. Let's throw the one out where he's playing against uh, old Hinton in Denver, you know, the, the weirdo game. But I mean, every other game, I thought he, I thought he acquitted himself reasonably well. There were some bad plays. Uh, guess what? I watched the Saints all this season. Jameis Winston makes some of those too. Um, so, so I think, I think they're, I think they, they're good. They're fortunate to have a coach like Sean Payton who has seen a lot of things, has been able to adjust, is a sharp football mind with a ton of experience and, and I think they'll cobble it together and, and push it into the postseason and then fall short when they get to the promised land. You mentioned that um, the Hinton game, but he'll also play two games against the Falcons. Too. Yeah, it helps. So <laughs> those are three almost gimme wins. We really haven't seen that much <clears throat> out of Taysom Hill against a real football team. Football it's defense true. Or and, offense. And they're yeah. at a disadvantage against the Buccaneers who are stout against the run. And not yeah. as stout against the pass, but the, you know, yeah. Like, well, yeah I, so I, I mean, uh, Khalil Herbert says, "Nah, nah, they're okay." I mean, that wasn't true. I was going back to the Bears; they can't do any good yeah. runs, but they didn't have a choice. But, but yeah, no, that is that is that's a fact. But I, I wonder if he can get something done with uh, Alvin Kamara in that game. I think you know, bringing in Mark Ingram kind of gives them some flexibility to move him, move Kamara outside, or run him out of the slot a lot more. Have both those backs on the field, so that'll be helpful. Yes. Yeah. But the one thing that does help the Saints is that Winston had them at a six and two record. They'll probably need to go win another five games, five out of the remaining nine to make the postseason and get a decent playoff spot. And the NFC's top heavy. The Very. middle of the 
NFC is weak. You know, they're. Wait, I didn't say a decent playoff spot. I just said a playoff spot. <laughs> <laughs> no point love. there. Much love, Bob. Yes, but there's um, like five or six uh, NFC teams with a with at least six wins. Yeah. So and the rest have like one or something. It's called right. parity. The NFL loves that. It's designed to have that. Designed. Yeah, yeah, especially on the, you know, if they didn't think they had parity, Bob, they wouldn't be throwing Jets, Colts at us on a Thursday night. You know what I mean? Yep. I Well, looking to get some exciting players. And, you know, just I want to say we talked about Carson Wentz. He's turning back into Carson Wentz. It's nice to see. I kind of invested in him from a fantasy perspective because he was pretty cheap. Love free square players. Yep. You know, guys are getting late that might emerge as something. Not saying you know he's going to turn back into the the, the MVP chats. It's going to start. He's got a great offensive line, strong rushing attack, and he's making some chunk plays to a big-bodied receiver who has the physical ability to dominate at, at when at the point of the, the catch, right? So all these things are working in his favor, and we're seeing some chunk plays. And I've kind of been happy to see it happen. Uh, much maligned has been this Carson Wentz. I agree. Noble sounded like you described the 2017 Eagles. Yes, exactly. Great offensive line, big body receiver, and Alshon Jeffrey, good rushing attack, good defense. But but it is good. You know, Bob, you bring up something. We do not in this world hear enough about redemption stories. We judge people too harshly too early. We don't let them outgrow it. You know what I'm saying? Like I so you're preaching to a choir of one here. Um, also my categories. Uh, he's nodding gently. Um, this is the truth, right? We just, we don't view, we, so we look at things the way we first see them, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, there's people out there still think Baltimore is a really good defense, right? Well, because they remember, I remember when Baltimore was really good, they're, they're always really good. No, it changes, right? That's part of the design of the NFL as well. And so, you know, the players that, you know, more like look no further than running back position in fantasy, where dating back to when I started playing, there's been a running back every year that wins somebody a fantasy title that nobody drafted, right? Right. Uh, Nick Goings, Ruben Drones, I'm taking you back in the way back machine. Mike Anderson. And Mike Anderson. And we can roll all the way through the recent years as well. And it, because it's just, that's a position where opportunities happen. And, you know, we can, we can see this in, 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 you know, our, well, let's look at the Chiefs. I remember when the Chiefs were good, right? They were the juggernaut of an offense. Uh, they played good defense. All of a sudden, they are playing neither of those things. And that's what we need to keep in mind, that nothing is static. Things change. Players evolve. They get better. They get hurt. They recover. You know, all these things, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the talk about Derrick Henry, you know, oh, he's bound to get hurt. No, he wasn't bound to get hurt. I mean, he had more opportunities to get hurt. But did he have more opportunities to get hurt than an offensive lineman who's on the field for 100% of every snap? I mean, is he really working that much harder? He's not taking the kind of hits they're taking every play. He just broke his foot, right? It's not because uh, it's not because of his workload, although it is a factor. But we look at these things and we try to bring it down to this, you know, easy one consumable set. Ah, overworked. Uh, of course, he was injury prone. Or you know, Christian McCaffrey is now injury prone. A guy with you know <laughs> two injuries to his name over the course of time. I mean, okay, sure, if that's what you want to say, that's maybe kind of lazy analysis to me. Right. It's it's maybe, you know, maybe you should look past that. It's why I go into every fantasy season as an injury agnostic. Right. Because I understand it's a collision sport. Right. Somebody's going to get hurt every play. Yeah. I watch games and I see guys running up, looking at some part of their body. Ah, that hurt. You know, we just don't realize the toll this game takes on every single player. And we focus on a narrow band of players who certainly, you know, being a running back to the NFL, 
You know, if you're Derrick Henry, you're getting in 20 plus car collisions every week. The, in this case, though, he's colliding with, he's a truck colliding with cars. I think he had the advantage in that. Look even at wide receivers, and I talk about this a lot, the physics of the game. We saw it with CeeDee Lamb, uh, you know, or was it Justin Jefferson, jumping up for the ball, right? And coming down on his butt hard. Why? Because he's like six feet tall and weighs 200 pounds. And, you know, just, you know, your body is not, you know, you can get bigger, you can work out, you can get faster, you can do all these things. Your joints are still only designed to take certain amounts of torque and forces. And, you know, and there's things like acceleration and mass and all these that equal velocity, all these things are increasing, but the skeletal portions of the body are not. So all these things are factors in all this. And I've gone totally off the, you know, the beaten path here with you and you're welcome for that. But, but this, these are the kind of things that we need to realize about players is they're, you know, the situations, the circumstances change uh, for every single player, every single week. That's part of the design as well is it's a different game plan. It's a different opponent. It's a different week of preparation preparation all these things change so be prepared to change with it don't be stuck in your little mindset people agreed you mentioned the chiefs what do you think's wrong with them i mean they uh, used to be good now they're not they can't play defense that's not good right and i'm not you know i'm not an expert on the defensive side of the ball i'm not an expert on the offensive side of the ball i'm an expert in fantasy football and, and an ex is a has been it has been and the spurts that grip under pressure so uh, <laughs> i don't know if that's helpful either but the defense is not getting the job done and to me when I watch Patrick Mahomes, he seems like he's pressing. I also wonder if he's really, you know, where he was physically, you know, with the foot, the toe issue and everything. I mean, some of these things take time to get over. And, and as somebody who uh, suffered a turf toe uh, at 18 years old uh, while wrestling and still suffers from that injury, right? It's, you know, it's, it'll be with me forever. You wonder if some of these things don't take a little bit of a toll physically, and maybe he's not quite the same player. And then I see him make one of those crazy off-platform plays, and I go, he's, a, he's that player. He's just pressing, right? And that's what it looks like to me offensively. Those 10 interceptions, uh, I mean, I, I feel like he's pressing at times. Not, they're not all his fault, right? I, I get that. <clears throat> but, you know, he's, he seems to be the problem with the offense right now. And maybe they need to put some better pieces around him. They have a handful of really good ones. By handful, I mean two. Um, but you know, there's enough other reasonable pieces around him that he's been able to excel in the past. I think this is probably a temporary thing. And if we do this, redo the show, uh, in weeks 15, we might have be having a totally different conversation. We'll schedule you for them. But, uh, the, uh, the one thing about it is he's thrown the most touchdowns while targeting Kelsey in my eyes, which are very unmedically trained eyes. Kelsey looks hurt to me. He doesn't look like he's moving with the same smoothness that we've expect. Could it be old as, age? Sure. As old people, I would say that it might be kind of, <laughs> you, know you know what I'm saying, though, but I don't know. It's true. Reese at 15 doesn't. He's like, what do you mean? But it happens. Old, hey, there's one thing that's true about every professional athlete and Bob and I. Father time is undefeated. Tell so that Tom Brady. And so, so I mean, it's been five straight thousand yard seasons. I look at Kelsey right now. Last week was horrible. He had some drops. Uh, you know, he's been dealing with a little bit of that neck issue. We don't know how serious that is. I don't know if it's, you know, serious at all. Maybe it's just, you know, in our mind because he's not playing up to snuff. But it's been what, one touchdown over, you know, since yeah. week three or something ridiculous like that. 100 yard games have been few and far between. I think he had a one 100 yard game. He had a 99 yard game. And, uh, 
Beyond that, it's been pretty uh, pedestrian, and pedestrian is what not what we want. He also isn't getting passes in the end zone. Right. I don't think he's been targeted any times in the end zone this year. He needs to change that, please. Oh, yes. But another problem is that they're not getting Hill involved in games that they're behind. Uh, I saw – I was researching – for I was researching Tyree Kill, and the last time he caught a touchdown in a Chiefs loss was 2019, Week 10 against the Titans. And they're not—they just don't get him involved when, uh, when they're not winning games. They're not getting him involved, which he seems he like seems messed he up. seems mercurial though, right? I mean, like he will—you know—he's not a consistent show, you know, not a consistent threat there, right? He'll show up, and you never know. I mean, it's a—you know—from a fantasy perspective. The highs are so high, you don't care about the low weeks. From an NFL perspective, I wonder if it wouldn't be better if you had a more consistently, maybe less super high end, but a guy that could, you know, get the job done week in, week out. He just seems to disappear at, at critical times, like you said. So yeah. I'm with you. The other side of that, I'm going to play the, the other side to what Reese just said. Maybe teams know, hey, we, we stopped Kyrie hit kill from scoring, you know, the causation correlation conversation. We stop him, we have a better chance of, of winning, but to Reese's point on the other side is, is if I'm down, if I'm the Chiefs and I'm down a touchdown, there's heart, there are a few more explosive, potentially explosive plays than a screen to Tyreek Hill, right? It's true. I mean, I I don't understand why you wouldn't throw a screen pass after you know all those jet sweeps, everything to him as much as possible, especially if you're down. I would agree. Oh yeah, but even again. Like, even in the first Buccaneers game last year, he got, I think it was three touchdowns in the first half and had nearly 200 yards in the first quarter. Oh, yeah. They won that game easily after that. Oh, it's easy when (laughs) – it's easy from there. Oh, yeah. That is true. So, one of the biggest uh, news stories from the past week has been the trade deadline. And we – the biggest trade was probably the Von Miller trade where Mike Broncos decided to trade – one of the best players in our history for two two day uh, day two picks, but that's a different story. But are the Rams now Super Bowl favorites with Vaughn Miller uh, adding to that already loaded defense? I think they kind of already were, you know, in that territory. This certainly doesn't hurt them at all, right? I mean, look, it's a great all-in play. For a team that's not going to have a draft pick for another, what, 20 years until you're like 30-something, uh, they're going to be fine uh, this year. Uh, that And that's the thing. They went all in, right? And, and so – you know, I've been critical of Sean McVay and management for their mishandling of the quarterback situation. Uh, they overpaid for Jared Goff yes. on, in draft capital. Yes. Then they overpaid him on a contract. Then they overpaid to get rid of him. Yes. And then they overpaid for Matthew Stafford. I yanked McVay's genius card. Sorry. He's winning it back now, though. Look, once you get the right players, things magically happen that are great. And we, you know, we know he's a good coach. And we see what Matthew Stafford is capable of. <clears throat> I think, you know, and... Daryl Henderson, we can go back a couple of years and I keep thinking about an article I read uh, our friend Doug Farrar uh, with yeah. USA Today uh, did a really great article where he sat down with Henderson and they did a film study of what the Rams offense does and and how good a fit he can be. And it's something, you know, I've talked about with Mike Clay about, you know, we get our hopes up for rookie running backs because it's a position where rookies can excel. But really, they most often don't really get it that first year. It takes a year, maybe into second year. Henderson gets it now. You can see him, right? And you know, it's, it's taken a while and maybe he's not the desired play, but he's figured it out right for them. <clears throat> and we'll see how that goes going forward. We know Cam Akers will be back soon, but, or at least maybe postseason. Um, but, but I just think this offense has come together and the defense was already there. And, and now that the offense matches the defense, uh, 
um, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with all the way up through the Super Bowl. And the fact that they have an opportunity to play at home uh, will only spur them that much further. I don't know that they need much spurring. Von Miller will uh, sit there and uh, put the riding crop to them. Yeah, but at least they get to put, use him in high leverage situations. Right. So two questions for you, very loaded questions, Bob. Next year, is Akers or Henderson, which one's going to get the greater than 50% of the touches? I'm going to guess Akers um, and, and, and readily admit I have no idea. Um, but I think that would be the plan. That kind of felt like their plan going in. Uh, and, uh, and he, and I, look, Akers seems like he's up for it, right? If he's yeah. on the field, he looks really good. And it's easy to look at the thing we're seeing now and think, wow, Daryl Henderson looks great. Uh, maybe we're not even realizing how great Cam Akers could be doing, uh, given the same workload and the same circumstances. So, uh, <clears throat> I'm open to Cam Akers returning to form. And so are my dynasty shares. Now, I'm with you. Last, one follow-up since we're heavy on the Rams. What do you think their chances are against the Buccaneers? Let's say they both make it to the NFC Championship. I think they have a great chance. I think they have uh, – look, I think they can play with anyone any week, right, with that defense. Uh, you know, look, when, I, when, I'm, when I think about defense, I, I want to see disruptive playmakers. They have them at every level. They just added another one. Yeah. Um, these are the kind of things – these are the kind of players that they have that change games, right? Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald. Uh, Vaughn Miller now. I mean, these are game-changing players any given week, and you already have that on offense in Cooper Cup. I think Matthew Stafford working with these kind of players could do that as well. So um, I, they can play with anybody, in my estimation. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing – the Cardinals are the only team that beat him, and they beat him pretty soundly there. So I'd be worried about them, and I'd also be kind of worried about the Packers. As long as they don't play them in the NFC Championship game, then the Rams got to be easy. But – uh, the Packers do have arguably the best, one of the best tackles in the uh, league. And uh, he'll be back. Back to yard. Yes. Yep, he'll be back. He's close. Very yeah. close. So they'll have him. Elton yeah, Jenkins right. was a Pro Bowl uh, guard, and he also yep. did fairly well against Donald in the playoff game. I agree. I agree. And, and maybe you guys have noticed the subtle change they've been making to going a little run heavier. They didn't do it every week, but I get, they didn't do it against Washington. But they had done it the weeks leading up to that. We're seeing more of A.J. Dillon, just a more concerted effort to run the ball, it looks like to me, as they set themselves up, uh, you know, for maybe a little bit of a postseason run here. Um, I'm excited to see where it goes and uh, when all the pieces are back together, because they're not going to be back together this time. Oh, yeah. But on the Packers, where does Rodgers or, and or Adam and, uh, Adams end up at the end of the year? Or um, at this time they, next year? At this time next year? Man, I honestly, that, that it's a beautiful mystery. I think that's the, uh, the answer that I've heard before. Um, <clears throat> if I, you know, if I was a betting man, I mean, Denver's going to go all in if Aaron Rodgers, if they can get Aaron Rodgers, but I guess they won't be alone. So um, we'll just have to, we'll just have to see. I don't want to, you know, I mean, here's the thing that, you know, I've got to this point where I say nothing would surprise me and it still does, but I pretend it doesn't because just things happen in the NFL that, that I have no idea. So when we were going into the season, when we first heard, you know, on draft day that Aaron Rodgers and I want to play, I said it's 90-10 that Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Packers. Um, I would say it's 70-30 that he's a Denver Bronco next year. Um, I said, is, you know, the season got underway or before the season got underway, it was 10-90 that we'll ever see Deshaun Watson play this year. 
I'm going to take that to 99 and 199 right now that we'll <laughs> see him play this year. I mean, we just, you know, we have all these outcomes in our head of things. And, and really, you know, we go back to the uh, Occam's razor type situation. Really, in the end, the simplest answer is the, is, the, is, the, is the most logical one. I mean, Deshaun Watson, for example, didn't want to play for Houston. Uh, the off-field troubles made it, in my mind, impossible for anyone to trade for him or certainly added a degree of difficulty that I don't know if anyone was going to want to thread that needle. And it turns out that was a big issue. Um, and, and on the Rogers side, I mean, it just didn't make sense. I mean, who's going to land a quarterback at that point in time, even a great quarterback could expect, the, you know, the, these huge changes. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, given time and people can plot things out, I think we'll see a different outcome. Adams is going to play somewhere else. I think too, uh, go back and play with Derek Carr. Yeah. Especially with all the stuff that's happened this week, but I, another potential outcome or you know destination for Rogers, I think, would be Pittsburgh. I could, you know, if Ben packs it in, I could see Rogers in the it, Steel City. It doesn't seem like a Steelers move to me. You're, you know, I'm with you. They, but how many how many rookies have they have they flopped on? I mean, they're right. great at drafting receivers. Horrible at drafting quarterbacks outside of Bradshaw and uh, <clears throat> and Roethlisberger. Did, did I mention nothing would surprise me? <laughs> that would surprise me a little bit. I mean, honestly, that, that would surprise me a little bit. I mean, you know, but I, I do think we, you know, we see quarterbacks looking to force their way into other situations that they see as more beneficial because look what happened when Tom Brady did it, right? Yes. Went pretty well for him, went pretty well for the team. Well, teams are looking at this too, not just quarterbacks. Teams are going, well, hell, man, why don't we do that? Why don't we get a really great quarterback and and help him win us a Super Bowl? I think you're going to see more of that. I think teams are going to be a little more open. And you're going to see, you know, you know who is going to do something like this is David Tepper. Yeah. God bless you, Reese. Um, he was the, trying to uh, hold it in, and he just couldn't like, hold the sneeze in. Like David Tepper is a guy who made a cabillion dollars not by being safe, right? right. Not by taking – he took risks, took huge chances. I think that's why probably they were – maybe a little bit more in the running for Deshaun Watson than a lot of us realize. He said, he said, Hey, I'm in a league that's designed to be eight and eight at the time. And right. I don't want to be an eight and eight person. I'm not that guy. Right. I, and, and so if somebody was going to do something off the wall, unexpected, uh, he would be a guy that would do that. And, and look, you know, don't put anything past Steven Ross either. He's getting old. And, you know, when you start getting old, I can speak from experience, personal experience, you're willing to do things you might not have done before to get the things you want. Yes. I'm with you, especially because there's desperation, right? Right. Old people are desperate, Breeze. My thought would be the teams that were interested in Watson clearly do need a, or want a quarterback upgrade. So why aren't they being discussed with Rodgers? Teams like the Eagles, the Panthers, the Dolphins. There's a big age. There's a 10 years age difference. Still. No, is, there's a 10 years <laughs> age difference. And that is a big deal. Yeah, but if he's going to be a free agent and you think you have a good enough team to try to compete for a Super Bowl. How many years does Rodgers have, two? According to Tom Brady, he has like 10. <laughs> yeah, but That's I think Rodgers, I could just see Rodgers giving everybody the finger and walking off. You know what I mean? Like Brady right. didn't have that kind of, he has a little different build to him, but you could see Rogers just getting enough and just saying, you guys keep it. I'm off to do. Well, I'm, I'm, as I'm, as I'm sitting here, you see me glance at my phone costs because stories are coming through and past my nose. I see one that, that is uh, talking about how angry he is about the whole way the story is playing out with him right now. 
Yeah. Uh, and, you know, these are the kind of things that maybe just make someone say, look, I don't, it's not really worth it. I've got, I've got all my money. I don't know if I want to be the, the subject of this level of ridicule and criticism uh, over some personal decision. And maybe I just, maybe I just pack my bag and go live in Aspen with my, with my, my young bride to be. Yep. And that's his choice. I mean, like, like I, we talk about being old, Bob, I'm just of that. I just want everybody to be happy. If that makes him happy, go do it. You know what I mean? I'm more, much more cynical. Nobody's happy. They're all just pretending. Ah! <laughs> well, thank you for uh, giving us all like inspiration. <laughs> oh yeah. So speaking of the, we were talking about Deshaun Watson and how he could have been traded. What trade should have happened that didn't? A Marlon Mack should have gone somewhere. Yes. I mean, he asked for it. They said they would grant him. I wonder if it's just not that there was teams in the division that were mostly interested. Uh, it seems like an Odell Beckham trade should have happened, would have been in Cleveland's best interest to get something while they could get something. And now it appears they're just going to move on and he's going to be able to sign with whoever the hell he wants. Right. So, I mean, if that's the case, what was the point of not trading him? You at least had some level of control. That trade probably should have happened. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, some of the ones that were talked about were kind of lower level trades with Devontae Parker, Evan Ingram, Darius Slayton, guys like that. They didn't need to go anywhere. I mean, they're fine where they are. They're fine in a new place. They're, you know, I would have liked to seen, you know, I would have liked to see something good happen for Deshaun Watson uh, in, in football terms. But look, some, you know, decisions that were made by him fouled that up, right? I mean, I can't, you know, you, you know, I can't. I can't sit here and, you know, say, oh, wow, I wish he had a better outcome when he's not trying to be part of the better outcome. So, um, yeah. you know, Houston seems like, a, you know, not a great place that players want to play right now. Um, so it would be great to see him move on and get see them get a chance to rebuild with somebody that's more interested in being there. Um, but uh, we'll revisit that uh, after the season. Oh, I agree. Yeah, one of the things that I would have said that, the Saints knew the state of Michael Thomas's recovery at the time. They may should have added some receiver depth. That would be my yeah, only. Yeah, they were in talks for Beckham and you just couldn't make the money work. The Saints have no money. So they weren't going to be able to take anyone's big contract short of that big contract person being willing to make it a little contract. I'm not sure Odell Beckham is that guy. Unless it's some deal like what the Rams and Broncos did, did where the uh, Broncos ate all the money. and Right, right. And so, I don't, you know, and maybe Cleveland should have done that deal. Maybe that would have been a smart deal for them to make because yeah. obviously they're not going to come out of this uh, great either way. No, so, no, I agree. But I also would not have been surprised if they had tried to swing at Michael Thomas for Odell Beckham trade. Ooh, I don't know. I think that's. The whole thing with Odell Beckham, I was watching a report today. You probably saw it too, Bob. As most of the players think he's a distraction. Those are my words. You know, like they just want him to shut up, uh, shut up and show up, you know? And like he could have told his dad, hey, take down that that post. Or he could have, you know what I mean? There's a lot of things that he could have done. And, and it's almost yeah, like. I, I feel like the distraction thing is huge for everybody involved, right? And, yeah. I, you know, it's a, uh, the circus is great. Um, but it comes with clown cars, right? <laughs> and you got to be ready for the clown car portion of this whole show uh, if you're going to bring the circus to town. And that's, you know, look, that, that's what derailed guys like Tim Tebow and Colin Kaepernick to me is not, you know, whatever you think of their ability to get the job done on the field, uh, the things that came with them off the field are the things that people wanted to avoid. And I mean, you know, I'm sure I'll uh, take criticism for making this uh, simple observation uh, that comes from years and years of experience. 
football coaches like to focus on football. That's all. They don't want to sit there and talk about anything not having to do with football. And so when you bring in a player that's going to be, you know, whether it's an Odell Beckham, whoever it is, I mean, you know what you're going to be spending all your time talking about. And we've seen teams manage it reasonably well at times, but I mean, Terrell Owens, go back to the Eagles with Terrell Owens. And I mean, you know, it, it, and Michael Vick, when they brought him in, the, the distraction that went with that. And it, it takes a special group of people to deal with that level of distraction uh, successfully. And it's not easy. And the Steelers were able to do it with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio yep. Brown very well for sure. a couple of years, at least, that we knew about it. But yeah. the media goes like this. I mean, the media, their job is to keep it a story. So they go, hey, coach, what do you think about him not being here? Hey, well, coach, what do you think about this? Look, and that's what, you know, they, they do that for a reason as well, right? Because yeah. they're rewarded for it. So, you know, whatever the, you know, that's the point, though. It's the distraction that comes with it because, you know, those questions are part and parcel of acquiring a certain player or bringing, you know, putting yourself in a certain situation. So, uh, you know, it's just, I mean, uh, one of the things, uh, you know, just reminds me of just, you know, we were talking about Derek Carr, just watching his handling of the the two huge stories that have happened there, right? I mean, he's handled those really well. Oh, it's yeah. been impressive, like uh, showing a lot of maturity and, you know, just, you know, there's something to be said for answering the question and getting it off your damn plate. He seems to have done a pretty good job of that. That doesn't mean the questions will stop, uh, right. but he can always say, oh, I answered that pretty well and go away, right? So, the, you know, that's part of it to me is, you know, there's some of these things like, you know, even Tennessee, you bring in Adrian Peterson, you know, he's going to draw a crowd, right? Everyone's going to be super interested. I don't know if they need to be, or let's look at Josh Gordon, you know, as well. I mean, you bring in a player like that, granted, you know, maybe it's been far enough removed from all the issues. It's been pretty quiet in Kansas City. But, you know, you know that when you bring a player like this on board, that's part of what's going to come with it is the, that level of attention, and you have to be prepared for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got something? Yeah, what I was going to say on that is, for me, when I think about that whole situation, Carr's answer was a yesterday or today where he says, you know, I love the guy. The guy needs more love in his life. He's got a young daughter and so on and so forth. He needs more love. And, you know, for him to be willing to say, I'll be that friend to him was awesome. And, you know, and I liked his response about Gruden. But for us, yeah. you know, I couldn't imagine they're putting so much on his plate. You know, nobody's asking Mark Davis about this. They're asking, you know, Carr. He's harder no to find. Coach. Huh? He's harder to find. Right. But, I mean, there's no coach visibly. The owner's not up there. So oh, look, up there Rich Biasasha came out and was pretty uh, gave pretty good answers on rugs. I thought yesterday as well. So uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. And when I saw his press conference uh, yesterday morning, I thought he handled the questions extremely well and and was very impressed with uh, with with his demeanor and his handling of the subject matter. Well, I think we can all agree the best answer to the John Gruden question was Brandon Staley saying, "We just need to love everyone." Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love Staley this year. I think it's been great being able to hear some of his very thoughtful answers. Yeah, I think, yeah, look, I like I like the direction. I like so, the direction some of these young coaches, you know, that the NFL has been in recycling, you know, a bunch of guys who were successful or not so successful or whatever. And we're seeing a lot of young coaches uh, come up who are doing things a little differently and, uh, and behaving a little differently. So hopefully that has an impact on the league and, as a whole. Oh, yeah. Transparency is always great. Bob, Mr. Diehard himself, thank you for joining us as we talk football this Thursday afternoon. And uh, 
Just noticing I'm extremely on. well lit. I'm, uh, I hope that goes well for you, hiding my stuff. Hey, we, I'm going to already, you said week 15. I'm going to put you down, pencil you in, week 15. Locked in. Done deal. Good. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Bye. Good talking to you, Reese. Good talking to you, Jeff. Appreciate you, you asking me on. We'll talk again soon. Yes, sir. Bye. Bye. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Predictive Analytics with Reese Tiller. Mm-hmm.